Let me invite your attention to the first book of Kings, chapter 11. Um, it's been a while since I have said this, so uh, let me say it for the, for the benefit of those who are maybe somewhat new to Gracie Van or maybe even visiting here for the first time. One of the oddities of Gracie Van is how we observe the Lord's Supper. But really, the only odd thing about it is that we put it at the center of our service as opposed to tacking it on to the end. Which means that you as the worshiper have time alone with God where you sit to spend it any way you like. But it is, it is our design, it is our hope, that you would have an, your own private time with God, and, and the need of the the need of the day might be confession of sin. It might be um, thanksgiving. It might be praise. I, I I don't know what that is, but we're hoping that we can use the occasion of the Lord's Supper as an opportunity for you to do your own specialized privatized, individual worship where you sit. Of course, one of the things that means is that my uh, my sermon is shorter. I know that'll be good news, but let's get to it. You follow as I read in 1 Kings chapter 11, beginning at verse 29. And at that time, when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah, the Shalonite, found him on the road. Now Ahijah had dressed himself in a new garment, and the two of them were alone in the open country. Then Ahijah laid hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and will give you ten tribes. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city that I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because they have forsaken me and worship Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the Ammonites. And they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight, and keeping my statutes and my rules as David his father did. Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will take, I will make him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David my servant whom I chose, who kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hands and will give it to you, ten tribes. Yet to his son I will give one tribe that David my servant may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen to put my name. And I will take you, and you shall reign over all that your soul desires, and you shall be king over Israel. And if you will listen to all that I command you, and will walk in my ways, and do what is right in my eyes, by keeping my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, I will be with you, and will build you a sure house, as I built for David. And I will give Israel to you. And I will afflict the offspring of David because of this, but not forever. Solomon sought, therefore, to kill Jeroboam 
But Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Hey guys, let me tell you the story here. Let me try to make some sense out of this for you, but maybe, maybe you don't need it. But let me try to just rehearse it real quickly. First of all, when this event takes place, Solomon is the king of Israel. You know Solomon, that's David's son, remember him? But it's towards the end of his reign. Now, I don't know how, how close it is, but if you'll notice in verse 43, Solomon dies. I read through, I read through verse 40, but in Solomon 3, I mean, verse 43, Solomon dies. Now, I don't know what time frame we did, but it was in the last, I don't know, few months, let's say, of, of Solomon's reign. During that time, in these last days of Solomon's reign, a, a prophet by the name of Ahijah, goes out and meets up with a guy by the name of Jeroboam. Now, I'm not sure those names are familiar to you. Maybe they should be, but um, uh, he goes out in this new garment. Now, uh, what garment? Uh, it, but it was a piece of outerwear. It's a new piece, and he meets him on the road alone. And he takes off this garment. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, uh, he takes off his garment, and he tears that garment into 12 pieces. And then he turns to Jeroboam and he says, verse 31, take for yourself 10 pieces for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I am about to tear the kingdom of the, of the, uh, from the hand of Solomon and will give you 10 tribes. Now, guys, do you see what this is? It is, it is an enacted parable. It is a um, it is a highly symbolic act. Two men out on a road alone. A guy takes off his piece of outerwear and and tears it into twelve pieces. And and that tearing, that ripping of his garment, was to symbolize the the impending division of the kingdom of Israel. The ten tribes that were given to Jeroboam, or the ten pieces of cloth, were to symbolize those ten tribes of of Israel that were going to be given to Jeroboam to rule over called the northern kingdom. There was one piece of cloth that was that was left for the southern kingdom and for called Judah. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, uh, well, uh, 10 plus 1 equals 11. There was 12 tribes. Uh, let me, there's several possibilities, but I, I think this is the best one. The tribe of Simeon was wholly contained within the larger tribe of Judah. All its boundaries were within Judah. So when you got Judah, you got Simeon too. I, I, I think that's how to understand it. But that's not my point. My, my point this morning has nothing to do with, with the division of Israel and the piece of history. And, and folks, this is a very significant piece of history of Israel when the, tri, when the, when the kingdom was torn apart. What I want you to see is this. What I want you to notice is this. I want you to see how God communicates a very significant piece of information. Gang, this, this is about a civil war that's about to take place. This is a cataclysmic piece of information that is being given to Jeroboam. And notice how it's being given. It's being given through a piece of drama. Through this highly symbolic, 
very colorful, very dramatic, this enacted parable in which God communicates a piece of very important truth through a man doing something that is that is an enacted parable. That's what I want you to see. Guys, the, the Bible does that a lot. This is not the only time that you see something like this. You can find it a lot of it in the book of Jeremiah, uh, several times in the book of um, Isaiah. I mean, on one occasion, um, Isaiah is told to go lie naked. That was probably in an enacted parable that went over the line. But um, th- this happens a lot in the Old Testament and a couple of times. A couple of times in the New. And the biggie. The, the, the most important event like this in the New Testament is the Lord's Supper. You know what happens, don't you? It was the last night of Jesus' life, only hours before he was arrested. It's uh, They're up in the upper room, wherever that is. It's in Jerusalem someplace, but in the upper room, and they're enjoying the Passover. And, and then Jesus takes, he takes a piece of, bre- a loaf of bread. And by the way, you can read this in, um, you can read it in three of the Gospels, but um, you can read it in Matthew 26, where Jesus takes the piece of bread and he blesses it. And then he breaks it. And then he says, This is my body. And then he does the same thing, you know, with the cup. He takes the cup and he says, This is the blood of the new covenant. Just poured out for the remission of sins of the many. Do you, do you see what he's doing? He's doing the same thing, ladies and gentlemen, that I just read you out of 1 Kings 11. It is an enacted parable. That's what we're doing. We are engaging in playing out a piece of very significant redemptive drama. And and, and you're in the play, guys. We're we're all in this thing. And through this piece of drama, God is communicating a, a, a piece of truth. You know, guys, um, if you are new to Christian worship and perhaps maybe not, maybe you haven't quite yet figured out what you think of Christianity and all of this business, this, this might, this might seem a bit weird to you. But let me assure you, this is, this is not some kind of church hocus pocus. This is not some kind of empty ritual. That they just, that's what they do in church. Oh no. Oh no. This is a piece of redemptive drama which points to an event that will take place some hours later when a body would will be broken And real blood will be shed as a vicarious 
substitutionary payment for the sins of his people. Guys, don't mistake this as some kind of mime like the uh, the Blue Man Group. This is not mime where everyone in the audience is is free to uh, attach whatever interpretation they might like on, on what they're watching. No, no, ladies and gentlemen. There is only one message here. There's only one message. And that message is this. That through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ, God has found a way to save his people. Have you heard that message? Is is that Jesus, your Jesus? Then this table is set for you. Come join us. Let's pray. Our Father, I, I do pray that you will help us understand that this is not just a piece of liturgy liturgy that we go through without meaning and without thought. Might all that's packed into this piece of drama unfold before us, right where we sit, right where we enjoy this sacrament. Meet with us, O God. Meet with us individually. Might every person in this room be able to make strides in their own soul as they consider maybe for the first time, maybe for the umpteenth time, but they as they consider the very cornerstone of the Christian message, the death of Jesus Christ for sinners. Would you do that, O oh God? Would you do that for Jesus' sake? In his name we pray.